Welcome to The Coin Club, a podcast brought to you by The Seven House Coins, Currency, Bullion, where we discuss everything related to numismatics. I'm glad to have you along with me for my journey and excited to share with you the very best of numismatics. and welcome back to the Coin Club Podcast, episode 20 to be exact. I hope you all have been doing well since the last episode. Lots of good news out there and lots of sorrowful news going on in the world at the moment. It seems as if we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel with all the COVID restrictions and the numbers are coming down. Here's to a hopeful spring and summer where we can all be out and about and enjoying what we love to do, face-to-face, collecting those coins, and enjoying each other's company at shows and club meetings. This will be a short episode for all of you, as I'm pressed for time at the moment. Nonetheless, you still need your fix of the great things that the Coin Club podcast gets to you. On this episode, you'll get a look at the news in our hobby, the World Coin Spotlight, some more roll hunting reminders, and we'll take a look at something that has been catching my eye recently, the United States Two-Cent Coin. Really, really beautiful coin, and we'll dive into the history of it and get you familiar with it so you can add it to your list of coins if you want it added to your collection. All right, friends, enough of the chit-chat. Let's get on with the show. In the world of coin collecting news, reminder for all you guys and gals that like to go traveling to coin shows around the country, the ANA is having its national money show, and the date is fast approaching. It is being held on March 10th through the 12th in Colorado Springs. Check out their website for more info on the show, www.money.org. Also a reminder of a great contest that they are sponsoring. They are accepting nominations for their Young Numismatist Literary Awards through April 1st. There are three age groups for nominations, and they will be competing for cash awards and numismatic books. The ANA is a really valuable resource to use, and if you don't belong to the organization, I would highly recommend it. On April 8th through the 10th, the Newman Numismatic Portal will be hosting its fourth symposium with a fantastic group of numismatic presentations. It is a virtual event and is free for everyone. It is also open to anyone who is looking to present as well. Club meetings, book authors, dealers, researchers, and even coin collectors will be featured throughout the event. If you want to participate or present, head on over to their website at nnpsymposium.org for more information. The United States Mint has some pretty cool offerings coming up between now and the next episode of the podcast. How many of you got your hands on one of those Purple Heart dollars that they were offering? They come out on February 24th. I think they look pretty cool. Wouldn't mind having one for my collection. On March 3rd, they will be offering a First Amendment to the United States Constitution Platinum Proof Coin. The Freedom of Speech coin will be a series, featuring a new obverse design each year using the life cycle of the oak tree from a seedling to a mighty oak and an eagle on the reverse. The 2022 coin theme is Liberty Blossoms. Each of these coins is minted on a 99.95% platinum planchet with a $100 face value. March 8th will see the release of the American Women Quarters 2022 proof set. Minted at the San Francisco Mint, you will receive each of the five quarters featuring Maya Angelou, Dr. Sally Ride, Wilma Mankiller, Nina Atero Warren, and Anna Mae Wong. 
They will be featured in the typical mint packaging with a nice blue background to accentuate the proof finished coins. They are priced at $21. March 11th will see the release of a medal which I absolutely love the design of. The United States Navy 2.5 ounce silver medal. The obverse of the coin features the U.S. Navy destroyer John Paul Jones cutting through the water while the USS Constitution is sailing behind it. F-18 Hornets are flying in the sky over the two ships with the United States Navy on the rim of the coin with Don't Give Up the Ship in the center right. The reverse features a group of sailors manning the rail while the American flag flies in the background. Honor, courage, and commitment inscribed at the bottom. This medal will be minted at the Philadelphia Mint on a 2.5 troy ounce 99.9% silver planchet. A hefty medal and 2 inches round in diameter. If you're looking to add this one to your collection, it will set you back $160. The Mint released their production numbers for January of 2022, and not only have they been cranking out all these lovely collector coins for you and I, they have minted an impressive amount of circulation coins at the Philadelphia and Denver Mints. Over 1 billion coins for the first month of the year. They're not slacking, that's for sure. Okay, let's check out some of the news from PCGS. They announced on February 18th that they graded a 100 consecutively numbered pack of 1934A Series $500 Federal Reserve Notes. It is actually the first submission in a new program they are offering to grade and encapsulate banknote straps. PCGS President Stephanie Sabine said, This is not only one of the oldest surviving intact packs of U.S. banknotes to surface, but also the only pack of $500 notes believed to exist. It could be one of the rarest and most valuable banknote packs. It was submitted to them by U.S. Coin and Currency from Houston, Texas. Remember, their quarterly grading specials for the first quarter are almost gone. Submit by March 31st to get a discount on national banknote grading and a 5-for-1 deal on modern U.S. coins. If you picked up one of those Purple Heart coins from the Mint, NGC is offering a special label when you submit them for grading. It accents the coin in the holder very well. Okay, the World Coin Spotlight is taking us to the country of Ecuador today. Ecuador is a country in South America that is bordered by Colombia and Peru and the Pacific Ocean. It also claims the Galapagos Islands. Quito is the capital and about 17.7 million people call this country their home. Their name in Spanish quite literally translates to Equator, which the capital is located approximately 25 miles south of. The coin we're going to feature on this episode will be one you could add to your collection at a very reasonable fee. Heck, if you, you could probably still get it in your change if you visited. The 2003 One Centavo Coin. On the obverse, this coin features Republica de Ecuador at the top and Luz de America at the bottom. The grand feature of the coin sits in the middle and it is an image of the globe and the equator passing right through Ecuador. The reverse of the coin is quite plain, as is many modern Centavo coins, and it has Banco Central de Ecuador at the top. The year in small letter to the left of a giant number one in the center and un centavo at the bottom. The obverse of the coin is pretty cool and relates well to the country's location. This coin is minted on a copper steel plated planchet weighing in at 2.35 grams. It is 19 millimeters in diameter and has a thickness of 1.45 millimeters. Nice little coin that you can add to your collection that surely will not break the bank.
In the roll hunting portion of the show, I'd like to discuss the ever-so-popular wide and close AMs on Lincoln Sense to be looking out for. Seven of them, to be exact. When you're searching for these coins, it helps to understand the timeline in the minting process. The part of the coin where you'll be looking for on this is on the reverse in the word America, and obviously at the A and the M. Up until 1992, the Mint used the same type of wide AM reverse for the proof and business strike coins. In the year 1992, they made a new reverse on the coin that utilized a close AM. This was to be used starting with the 1993 Minute Cents, proof and business strikes. A lot of dates and switches to keep track of with this, however in the end you'll know what to look for. Starting in 1994, the wide AM reverse was used on all proof strikes and the close AM on all business strikes. If you don't know what to look for, get ready to write down some dates here. The first one to be on the lookout for, and the rarest of the group, is the 1992 close AM cent. Number two is the 1992 Denver minting close AM. Number three, the 1998 San Francisco Minute Close AM. Number four is the 1999 San Francisco Close AM. Number five is the 1999 Wide AM Cent. Number six is the 1998 Wide AM Cent. And lastly, the most common of the group is the 2000 Wide AM Cent. When you know what you're looking for, it's easy to tell the two apart. On a close AM scent, the letters A and M appear to almost be touching and the wide AM has a significant gap between them. If you're not sure, Google it and there are many, many different sites out there that have some great references of images to look up and help you out. Some people say that an easier way to tell is to look at the designer's initials in relation to the memorial. The wide AM scent will have the initials much closer to the memorial than the close AM does. Again, find a good reference photo on the web to help you out. Now you're probably asking yourself, well how much can I get for one of these babies if I find one in a roll or my change? That's the hard part. It is all over the place. It will range anywhere from a couple of bucks up to the hundreds. And in 2012, I found info the one graded from PCGS at MS67 Red sold online for $24,000. Condition, rarity, and your captive audience of collectors interested in scarfing these up for their collection will all play a role in the price. Happy hunting, friends. Okay, the main feature of the podcast is going to be a coin that has caught my eye recently while perusing the many auction sites and eBay. It is truly a gorgeous coin. I'm talking about the United States two-cent piece. Not something you're going to find in your change. If you do, I want to know what store you're shopping at because I want to go shop there too. The two cent piece was minted from 1864 to 1873. There was one year with a pattern issue in 1863. However, the others were all intended for circulation. This coin, like so many others, was designed by James B. Longacre. The story of the two cent coin dates back to 1806 actually, when a senator from Connecticut, Uriah Tracy, brought up the proposal. He, along with many other people who had their hands in the coin world, wanted it to be worth its weight in whatever material it was minted with. He proposed using debased silver. The mint director at the time, Robert Patterson, wanted to put the gabosh on this as he said it would be too difficult to refine the silver. Like many bills, it succeeds in one house and not the other. The Senate passed it twice and the House knocked it down both times. The effort to create this coin did not die on the house floor, however. 
1836, Christian Gobrecht, second mint engraver and melder and refiner Franklin Peel picked it up again. With the Mint Act of 1837, it was again included in many drafts of the bill. They fired up the smelters and the presses, and the end result was that Peel was able to prove that this coin, made of debased silver, was too easy to counterfeit, and the boys who wanted it to go through yet again in this round of trials were disappointed once more. It was a no-go. New releases from the Mint during this time, including the Flying Eagle scent, and then right on its heels, the Indian Head scent. So you're asking yourself why, if we have all these cents floating around, would anyone consider something new like a two-cent piece? Well, if you stayed awake long enough in your history classes, you might be aware that we had this thing going on called the Civil War. Remember that? If you don't, I want you to stop listening to the podcast. Just stop right now and get back to school and pay attention. Anyways, with the war raging between the states, hoarding took place. The citizens of the United States were worried that if the war took a turn for the worse and the traders of the Confederacy won, that paper money, stocks, and bonds would become worthless and the only thing that would have any value would be coinage. With the hoarding of cents going on, businesses even still resorted to making private tokens to circumvent the shortage. These are another interesting part of numismatics to take a look at and we might even cover them on a future episode. In December of 1863, Mint Director James Pollock sent a letter to the Secretary of the Treasury proposing a new bronze and a two-cent piece. Here we go again, right? Well, he already had pattern coins in the proposals made up, and he included them with the proposal. On March 2, 1864, Pollock sounded the alarm. He wrote the Secretary once again and said that the Mint was running out of nickel and the demand for cents was through the roof. The secretary sent the letter that Pollock wrote back in December to Maine Senator William P. Fessenden, who was the chair of the Senate Finance Committee. He must have thrown it away or didn't want to bother with it because he sat on his thumbs, did nothing. Pollock must have not been a pushover because he immediately sent another letter back to the Treasury and told him flat out that they were going to run out of nickel and something must be done. Nickel, for the most part, was imported to the states from overseas. We did not have a plenty enough of supply on our hands from our own mining operations at the time. That letter was once again passed on to Fessenden, who played pass it on down the lane again, and finally New Hampshire Senator Daniel Clark read Pollock's letter to the Senate on March 22nd and introduced a bill. It was passed immediately without debate. Although at the time we were completely out of nickel, This fired up the people who the Mint relied upon for our domestic supply of nickel, which came from a mine in Gap, Pennsylvania. The two industrialists involved with the mine, Joseph Wharton and Thaddeus Stevens, opposed the measure to introduce the new coinage. They proposed that we use more copper in the scent, doubling it to one part nickel to every three of copper. Makes sense, right? We can't keep up now, so double the percentage. Their argument was that they spent a ton of money to make this mining operation happen. Arguments and discussions were held in Congress, and in the end, they did not support the proposal, saying that the government is not bound to purchase from a supplier because he has spent money in anticipation of sales. Done deal. The Coinage Act of 1864 went into law. President Lincoln signed it, and the rest is history. The two-cent piece was here. The two-cent piece was the first coin to having God We Trust inscribed on it. The obverse design of the coin shows Longacre's own rendition of the Great Seal of the United States. 
truly magnificent and something I wish our coinage would get back to. It is a very symbolic coin. He wanted the shield to show a defensive weapon to signify strength and protection through unity. The upper part of the shield signifies Congress and the 13 vertical stripes signify the 13 original states. Crossed arrows show non-aggression but a readiness against attack and laurel branches to signify victory. A little known fact here. When artists use heraldic engraving such as Longacre, there is a representative symbolism to it. Vertical lines represent red, clear areas white, and horizontal lines blue. The coins embodied the colors of our flag, red, white, and blue, without actually physically having the color to it. Neat, and something I just learned while researching the topic. The reverse of the coin shows two cents surrounded by an ornate wreath and United States of America. A prototype die was used to strike the first coins. These coins are rarer and most sought after ones in this year. They feature a motto with small letters compared to the large type produced later on. The coins came out to great fanfare, but quickly their popularity waned, and each and every year the mintage of them decreased significantly. In 1864, the mint in Philadelphia cranked out over 19,800,000 coins, and by the time of the last year of minting circulation coins, the mintage number was a measly 65,000. In 1873, there were proof versions made, but in total, only 1,100 were minted. All in all, over its short span of circulation, 45,600,000 of these pieces were made. With the death of the two-cent piece, the Treasury repurchased and melted down about 17 million of them to use in cents, a tragic ending to a coin with such a great design. While these coins can garner extreme prices in certain conditions, you can have one in your collection for about $20 or so. It certainly won't be on the upper side of the grading scale, but you'll have one to call your own. Well, folks, it was my pleasure to have you along with me today, and I hope you enjoyed everything. We truly are growing, and I can't thank you enough for all you do to share the show with your friends and family. It is truly the best advertising. If you know someone who is listening to a podcast on their phone and it isn't their cup of tea, I have also put every episode on YouTube. They can check it out over there. I plan on updating some things in the near future, adding some segue music and redoing the outro and hoping to give you a better listening experience. Thank you for hanging in there as I learn the ins and outs of podcasting on a very part-time basis. As always, I hope to have you along with me for the next episode of the Coin Club Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Coin Club Podcast. I had a great time with you today and look forward to sharing with you on the next episode. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider supporting me on Patreon at the Coin Club Podcast. Please follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook at the Seven House Coins Currency Bullion and also on Instagram at the same name. You can also go to my website, sevenhouseccb.com, and give me some feedback on this episode or some suggestions on what you would like to see on future episodes. As always, I'm grateful to all of you for your support and look forward to seeing you the next time on the Coin Club Podcast. <music>